Welcome to WDFG, broadcasting Dear Final Girl, the advice and horror podcast where we dish on life and other scary movies. Every final girl has a story. So does her Jason, her Freddy, her Michael. So do we horror fans. This episode is part of our adjunct series, Origin Stories, where horror fans recount the horror movie memories that made them who they are today. I'm Valerie Thompson, and this is my horror origin story. It starts in the late 70s with my mother, who went to see a certain horror film. And during the showing, the electricity cut off in the theater. And it scared her so badly that she remembered the movie. So years later, when I was born, she started playing a game with me. Can you tell me what this movie is? Well, I was already really getting into film and five, six, seven years old. I'm still trying to help her find this film. And the game kind of blossomed into, can you help me find these other films from the 70s that I went to see in drive-ins and grindhouse cinema? And and I would find these other films for her. Great stuff like Sugar Hill and uh, Ruby, things like that. So later on, Tales from the Crypt becomes a gateway for me into all of horror as I really used it as a, a doorway into exploring American and foreign horror. And along the way, one night, I'm looking at TV and I find this beautiful, gorgeous, amazing horror film. And it just so happens to have the one element that my mother kept telling me about that she really remembered about this movie. I go wake her up. I say, Mom, I think I found it. My mom comes and looks at the movie. And she said, oh, my God, this is what I was looking for. You finally found it. And what it did was this film unlocked a world of foreign horror to me, and especially a world of Italian horror to me. This film was Suspiria. And the scene that she kept remembering was the barbed wire room. Since then, I've loved studying Italian horror. I've loved writing about it. And even more than that, I've loved seeing films from countries all over this world that take on unique perspectives of horror. So it was meant to be, as is everything good in life. Here we go. Hey there, Final Girl. Hi, Final Girl. How are you? Pretty darn good. Um, still very quarantined. <laughs> still very, you know, still very new normal over here. Um, <laughs> how about you? Uh, good. I I was just thinking this morning. You know that there's this um, song by the band Chicago um, that's feeling stronger every day. I was singing it to myself this morning, feeling more pregnant every day. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's where we are right now. I think that might actually be a good time to point out that um, we've mentioned this before, but we will be going on a brief maternity leave, um, probably June and July of at least June, I don't know. We'll, right. We'll come back at some point. We will, you know, horror is always waiting. It will be here. It will be here. Yeah. Um, 
And so will, so will people's stories of how they became fans, because this is, of course, uh, our little adjunct, <laughs> our little adjunct series, if you will, called yeah. Origin Stories. Um, and this week, um, the story was submitted by Val Thompson, and um, her handle on Twitter is at Val R. Thompson. Uh, Val is, is amazing. I met Val when I was doing some writing for the website 25 years later. She was a horror editor there. Um, and we struck up, we just struck up, we just struck up a, a friendship and, you know, united by our mutual love of horror and in particular Italian horror, I think, which was, you know, just kind of perfect. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what kind of story she was going to submit, but when, <laughs> when it ended up being about Suspiria, I was like, oh my God, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Val is a, a tremendous writer. Um, she, um, I, I'm going to be sure to, to put as a part of the tweets to support the episode where you can find her work. Um, because it's important, it's important that we support our active writers. Um, yeah. and she, she definitely is one. So, yeah, so it was great. It was great to have, she was a, an early supporter of Dear Final Girl. Dear final girl, really, she was the first person that I shared the idea with, mm-hmm. and she was just so excited about it and such a cheerleader. And she also um, often writes our episode summaries for us. Thank you, Val. Um, <laughs> yes, thank you, and does does some Twitter support, and so we love her and appreciate her, and we're really glad to have her story. Yeah, she's like the the silent partner of. She is the silent partner. <clears throat> sometimes, sometimes we're the silent partners, but I know we need to work on that. <laughs> you can't have all silent partners in a business, <laughs> but we're not a business. Let me clarify. Oh, yeah, not a business. Thank goodness. I think that I would, I probably would have quit long ago. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, guys. I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> um, cool. Well, um, yeah, thank you, Val, for uh, submitting this origin story. Um, God, this is a, such a unique... Uh, I think the underlying thread through all of this, this game that Val played with her mom, um, is just... That's so cool. And I, we've heard from a lot of people about how their parents helped introduce them or supported them and, you know, let them watch horror movies. Um, but having a parent that was actively saying, help me find this thing. That is really cool. That is really cool. I am, I was, yeah, I was really struck by that. And also I don't know, you know, Val was talking about, like, even at the, like, at the eight, basically at the, it sounds like at the age of six or seven, if I understood correctly, her, her mom was already, like, had her on the case. Right. And let me tell you, like, I do find that's a common age, like, six or seven, I just, through, mm-hmm. through all of these origin stories, you just hear that a lot, like, six or seven, six or seven. 
Um, and I even, you know, I think there are some things that we're, we horror fans have been exposed to even younger, but like the specific memories may not be there, but somehow they, they fuel the fire, right? But like when I saw, the first time I saw Suspiria, I mean, I was, gosh, I think I was 28 years old and it was, it was shocking to me. It was, it was, it was an experience. And especially the first, I guess, 10 minutes of the movie, it is just a visceral, visual and auditory onslaught, very violent, very gory. I mean, you are dumped straight into the middle of like murder chaos and (laughs) it is powerful. And I just cannot imagine seeing that at six or seven. I'm kind of jealous, but I don't know. I'm already warped enough, so I don't know what the fuck that would have done to me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when I was uh, six or seven years old, uh, my sister rented the red shoes. Oh my gosh. That would have been powerful. That's like, so Shannon, my, my sister, she would have been eight or nine years old, but she, she was super into ballet. We both took dance lessons from really young. And I remember, uh, watching the red shoes and being, and my mom was like, yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. Let's do this. It has ballet in it. And I remember being like, really affected by because doesn't she have to like cut off her feet something like that it's almost like the shoes take control right yeah yeah um and yeah it was so like just thinking back to those movies that you watched at the i mean the other movies, I think we mentioned this last time, the other movies that we were watching at that point were like E.T. and uh, <laughs> The Land Before Time. So not exactly, but The Red Shoes also had, like that's a very um, Suspiria um, connection. It is. It is. Isn't it in a ballet school, a dance school? It's in a dance school, yeah. And actually, that's also reminding me, I think the actress's name, I want to say the lead the lead actress in The Red Shoes was Moira Shearer. I could be wrong on her last name. She was in... Um, you are correct. Late, what's, is that right? Mm-hmm. She was later in the film Peeping Tom, which was like people call it the British Psycho. It came out right before Psycho. (laughs) Unlike Psycho, which made Alfred Hitchcock an even bigger um, force in in the film industry, Peeping Tom completely destroyed Michael Powell's career because people thought that, and I don't know if it's a difference between American and British audiences, but with Peeping Tom, I mean, it goes really deep into the topic of voyeurism, um, these sort of really screwed up relationships between parents and children. The main, 
character is someone who was literally studied by his father, um, you know, for his fear response as a part of his dad's like work as a psychologist. His entire life was filmed. And then not, not surprisingly, when he grows up, you know, watching fear, like trying to, to elicit and capture that same fear response, he's like basically repeats the cycle. Yeah. And it, he, he kills, he's, he's a serial killer and he kills women and he does it with a very specially adapted camera. Um, as his instrument, um, and uh, there's another part of his little setup that I, I won't spoil because it, it's 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 good for people to discover that on their own. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, she was in that. She was she was in that, and um, yeah, I kind of got off track. Sorry. No, 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 that's fine. Like I think that um, I wonder if it was just kind of like the nineteen. 19- 70s sort of obsession with 70s and 80s obsession with ballet and dance and um that but this I mean the red shoes is like 1948 yeah it's an old film yeah so it's an old film and it's interesting it reminded me what you said like having seen that at a young age and the the impact on you and I remember there's a really great uh, kind of like documentary. It was like a Turner Classic movie series, and it was like Stephen King at the movies. And he really ta- he kind of surveys the whole the whole cinematic landscape of horror. And he says, you know, people ask me what was the first movie that scared me, and he said the answer is Bambi. He's like, that movie was terrifying. Uh Like when the animals are trapped in the woods with the fire and he's like, and then you go home and it's like, could my, could my home be destroyed by fire? He's like, that was, you know, and it, these things, I, I, I will never think, I will never, I can never think anything other than it is a good thing for kids to be able to safely experience weird, scary, better not in real life, better better on film. Yeah. But because it, it's it's a it's a relatively safe introduction to things that you know we'll need to know about <laughs> as we get older. <laughs> right. Right. And the. Some of the creepiest stuff that I watched and probably around that same time was, um, we've talked about this before, but it is, um, uh, the woman from The Shining, her Mother Goose series. Oh, okay, so Shelley Duvall, um... Yeah, the, the fairy tales Yeah. series that's, um... Was it really creepy? Did it have a lot of creep factor or just sort of like a kind of magic that was weird and hard to understand as a kid? Or what was it about that? I think that they didn't... Well, there's a lot of like humans dressed as animals, you know, like, and they didn't shy away from making the wolf in Little Red Riding Hood scary. And they didn't, you know, all of those things where... Um, 
they were the story elements were already there but where i guess this is brothers grim maybe i don't know somebody somebody will tweeted it at us and we'll um we'll hear about it later um oh it was called fairy tale theater okay um but yeah they uh i think that um just bringing those things, bringing fairy tales to life is a dangerous thing because we think of them as like, oh, happy and, you know, happily ever after. But Only not because really. of Disney. Disney made it that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, the Brothers Grimm were not... Uh, not exactly sweet and light. Um, no, like, and I can't remember which of the Brothers Grimm stories this is, but the way the witch or who, the way, whatever, the witch, at the end, the way that she's basically killed or defeated or whatever is like they, they basically put like, like these hot lead shoes on her feet and she dances to death or something i mean these are not you know they're like these morality tales and uh -huh. they are not they don't necessarily have happy endings uh-uh uh -uh. you know and, and i think that you know some of that is um some of that is okay like like you were saying let's introduce bad parts of the world in a safe environment where it's encapsulated well this is a story and then it also teaches kids to deal with uh big emotions like fear in a safe way you know yeah. and i think that the 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 sort of popping open that door to those scary things um it it's not a bad thing it can definitely be taken way too far but yeah. um i think that it's it, basically what i'm trying to say is like good job val's mom i was thinking <laughs> the same thing when you are a child who begins to love horror and you when your horror guides are like it are like it is like a parent or parents oh my gosh what a what a wonderful thing the other thing that i just love about her story like i just want i love it so much i just want to like crawl up inside it <laughs> <laughs> is the magic the magic mom like i'm literally getting chills the magic moment when val found the movie is like i think this is it i think this is it takes it to her mom her mom OMG, you know, no, OMG. She didn't say that. I wrote that down in my notes. <laughs> oh my God. This is what I was looking for. Uh huh. Uh huh. 
that I think probably all most people have had that experience whether it be horror or another genre whether it be a, whether it be movie music a book mm-hmm. you just when you like something made an impression on you and you are finally able to find that thing right it is like the best feeling in the world <laughs> yeah absolutely so um the Tales from the Crypt, I did not know that that showed both American and foreign horror. I honestly thought, okay, this this shows you, number one, how young I am, and number two, my just um, ignorance of a lot of things horror. I thought Tales from the Crypt was like, uh, that they were producing original shorts original horror shorts but is it like a like a joe bob or mst 3000 sort of thing no i know i mean tales from the crypt started as a horror comic um and they made a show. I, I, I want to say it was like a show, like a half-hour show, uh-huh. kind of like, kind of like, in a way, kind of like creep show, like anthology, kind of an anthology kind of thing. Okay. But I would need to, I, you know, I, I would need to. I think in the in the tweets, what I'll do is do some homework um, <laughs> and include, you know, include a link. Um, yeah, because when she first said that, my 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 thought was, oh, did she discover it through the comic or through the show? I want to say maybe Tales from the Crypt was on HBO, but I may oh, be yeah. confusing. Was it? <laughs> yeah, because we had HBO for a little while, and that was one thing that I feel like my father would watch it, but we were definitely <laughs> not allowed to watch it. Like, Yeah, yeah. Um, I think... You know, the, of course, the the other thing, too, I mean, that I loved about her story is just, um, you know, her, her interest um, in, in foreign horror and particularly Mm -hmm. Italian horror. I mean, that's probably my favorite genre of horror. Um, She and I bonded over that early. And it was interesting because so this show, this episode will probably air the third week in May. Yeah. Um, and at that point, we will be a couple of, of weeks past uh, the, ep- the Joe Bob's episode of The Last Drive-In. Um, actually, that uh, where he the second the second the second feature was he did a Dario Argento film. He did Deep Red. Uh-huh. And I, I was totally losing my shit. I'm like, oh my god, this is like two of my favorite things combining into one. Uh-huh. Um, that that episode actually, last time would have aired on May the eighth. Um, and you know, Joe Bob's not like I think he even said he's like kind of don't get it, like why people go so crazy about <laughs> about Dario because you watch the movies and he's like. He's not really like, Dario is not really like, uh, he didn't really care that much about plot. You know, those movies are all over the place. Yeah. 
some movies, and I would say this is true of a lot of Italian horror in general, it, it is an experience more than a narrative. Um, I think Argento's films in particular. Now there are, there's a specific, not a, there's a specific subgenre of Italian horror called the giallo. Mm-hmm. That is a true, it, it, it's a true detective story. You generally have um, a person who has, um, you know, unwittingly, they are the witness to a murder. They become the amateur sleuth trying to solve the crime. There's usually some weird freaking freaking twist with <laughs> who you know who the murderer is and what motivates him or her. Mm-hmm. Um, and those films can have a tighter narrative because you do have triggering event trying to solve the crime you know the resolution um so there there are many you know italian horror doesn't have to be like this phantasmagorical jumble (laughs) it it is sometimes (laughs) i i can say that you know back when we first became friends you were like this movie, Suspiria, you need to watch it. Like, you you need to watch it. And Max and I watched it, and we were both kind of like, huh. Okay. <laughs> it was intense, and it was beautiful, and it, you know, but, like, both of us, maybe it was because we watched it at, like, noon on a Saturday, but um, it wasn't particularly scary you know there's not a lot of jump scares and things like that um it was suspenseful but it was we were both like okay well that is a thing that i have watched now (laughs) 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 um and i'm sure that i uh that there's a lot more um as far as Italian horror is concerned that I should be digging into and uncovering, but, uh, <laughs> you know, this was like four or five years ago that, and you, you know, we're just like, Oh, that, this is a movie somebody made. Okay. <laughs> Which is how I felt about watching, uh, same Joe Bob episode from a couple of weeks ago, the first film of that night, was this movie called Brain Damage uh-huh. by Frank Hennenwater. Have you seen that movie? No, but I saw all the tweets and everything. I like. I feel really bad because I want to watch Joe Bob and want to do the tweet along and all of that sort of stuff, but I'm in bed by 8.30, 9 o'clock, and so, you know, I just, I would miss it. So. <laughs> yeah, it's you know I feel like this is a good opportunity for me to apologize to the the friends that I have on Twitter. I have always found it for not really being present on Twitter on Friday nights for Joe Bob. I'm watching. I assure you, um, it's just that I have always found the experience of tweeting while watching it. It, it kind of stresses me out a little bit, honestly, because I'm having to try to, I'm giving my attention to two things at uh-huh. once. 
and it makes me feel kind of scattered and not to mention I didn't really get to watch the movie right I didn't really get to watch the movie and so I've just been focusing more on watching the movies especially if I've never seen them before so right um I, I don't know if anybody out there is particularly caring whether I'm <laughs> I'm tweeting or not but I did I it was like this is a good opportunity for me to say like I'm not absent I'm really just wanting to watch the dang movies all. <laughs> but also you write a blog post afterwards about the movie so if you're not paying attention when it's happening the first time then you have to watch it not have to you get to watch it a second time but then you know it is kind of a have to because it's for you know it's for work not just enjoying and I find that I mean the smartest thing for me to do would be to take the notes while I'm watching the film for the first time because you just get a lot of reactions that just kind of naturally pop out you know that make for good <laughs> that make for you know make for a good blog yeah um but it, that that too is like then i'm then i'm still multitasking it does make the job easier so i kind of sometimes i i take the notes during it and sometimes i don't right um i did not this time because oh my god once you start watching brain damage you're kind of sucked in uh, you're kind of because the 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 one of the main like the little monster in the movie named Aylmer basically looks like a combination between like a penis and a turd and yeah I saw some gifts yeah. and I was intrigued but also kind of <laughs> confused and turned off. yeah me too. And he, he's voiced by this classic horror host who is no longer with us, but Joe Bob was a big fan of John Zacherly. And John Zacherly kind of has this sort of vaudevillian perform. So it's like you've got this completely bizarre penis-looking thing, <laughs> and it's talking to you like this, like it's going to tell you a nursery rhyme story. Mm -hmm. And that just adds to the surreal quality of it not to mention the main protagonist that that Aylmer is interacting with is named Brian and I work with three different Brian's mm -hmm. and all I can hear is Aylmer like Brian 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 and so now every time <laughs> I see these dang Brian's come here on my email or calls I'm just going to be one of Ryan. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Worlds collide. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, concluding, um, any concluding? Yeah, I think um, I've seen a lot of uh, references to this, and I think it's been um, Night of the Horror File, Lee, and Brittany, who've been referencing uh, Grindhouse lately. I, like, yeah. Grindhouse is, like, sexier than normal uh, horror. I mean, I think Grindhouse, like, I, I feel like I'm just going to use other words to try to divine, define it. It's sort of like, I, I think of Grindhouse and, and exploitation, 
I think of Grindhouse as like the horror version of exploitation films. Okay. You know, just, you know, sex, violence, gender, um, all in your face. You know, those films were like, you've got like super low budget, gritty, you know, low production value. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, probably you were most likely to see it, see those films at a drive-in or in a, in a theater with very sticky floors. Interpret that how you will. Gross, gross. Yeah, the only reason I bring that up is because Val said, you know, she, she, in her search for Suspiria, she found herself, you know, kind of going through some of the Grindhouse catalog. And um, I think... uh, I don't know what to think of that, honestly, because I don't know very much about Grindhouse, but, um... I know enough to think, you go, girl. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess, here's, okay, so here's my real question that was not answered, and maybe Val can answer us in a tweet um, after the episode comes out. How long was she searching before she found Suspiria? Like, I don't remember, I don't recall her saying how old she was when she finally found it. Yeah, I wasn't sure either. I wasn't sure whether the age six to seven was the age that she found it or if that was more when she was like already, kind of saying she was already like a a horror, you know, devotee at that point. Right. Yeah, I will, and I'll, well, we'll reach out to her. I'll reach out to her and I'll say, hey, you know, um, piggyback off, uh, piggyback off this and, and, uh, and let us know in the tweets. Um, and I also want to ask her, like, were there, it, cause it seemed like, yeah, her mother would, would present a number of things to her, like mm-hmm. find this and find that. And it would be neat to know what some, what some of those other specifically, like some other specific examples of what those things were. Yeah. Yeah. So what a fun game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I that would be really awesome to play mm-hmm. <laughs> as a kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, I think this brings us to the end of another episode. It does. It does, and I am enjoying our virtual recording, and I will also be glad when we get to do it in person again. Hopefully. Hopefully later this summer. That would be nice on just a lot of different levels. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, stay safe. What did stay we say the last time? Uh, stay safe and don't let... No, I think it was... It was funny. It was something that Lee said. Something about his grandfather. <laughs> maybe maybe we just say stay safe and don't let the rona get you <laughs> yeah. seriously please y'all wear a mask wash your yeah hands. wear a mask six wear a mask six feet apart and um limit limit your limit your trips limit your exposure right. and heck you just stay in and watch more horror movies there you go see you know, you the go. answer was there all the time. It's our ideal world. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. Bye, all right. guys. Bye.
tune in next time for another origin story from your horror community. Till next time, this is Dear Final Girl. Remember, stay alive out there.